0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. No doubt about it, we do love some tacos. That was good going over there. How do you say it? What is? I know what is yeah so uh, we you know you go there and the ladies there and the center booth there the big uh, dish pan thing with oil and making the daggum tortillas right there in front of you and then the, you know they get you the coke and pop it off it's just amazing are we streaming this this is happening right now oh shoot yesterday was absolutely amazing if you missed the marriage seminar or whatever it was called yesterday morning, you probably will never get a chance to hear it because I can tell you it was, there were some things said in here by my wife <laughs> that were entirely too hot to handle. They are not, it is not internet approved. It would need one of those uh, disclaimers slapped across it, okay, so be careful. And last night, wow, you guys are crazy. (laughs) You guys got some new wine up in here last night. I I looked at my wife and they were all trying to get me out and doing the whole reeling you into to the dance floor. I was like, my wife said, I don't drink anymore, but man, a couple margaritas might help this (laughs) or or whatever. Where's the new wine stash here at Overflow? Because you guys, you guys were having fun. I want to thank Josh and Leslie, Pastor Josh and Pastor Leslie for, they were my friends long before that. I've known them for 20 years and we've done some crazy things together. We've eaten lots of tacos together. He's been to my house. I've been to his house. He's preached at my churches. I've preached at his churches. We just have those, you know, you have those people that you come in contact with that it doesn't matter how long it's been. You can just pick it right back up where it was. And that's that's where it is with this guy. I remember, you know, some of you were here, some of you weren't. Several years ago, I came here after things had kind of fallen apart in our previous ministry, and I shared my story from, with great vulnerability from this platform. But before that, what you may not remember is when things fell apart in my life, I had one person that I could go to, and I left Oklahoma, and I drove all the way over here to Dallas, and I stayed in this precious couple's house and I sat on their couch and I told them every sin I'd ever committed in my entire life because they were a safe place. They were a place that also gave me credibility with my wife. Amen? Now, I didn't, I, you know, I, I hate giving disclaimers, but I didn't have an affair on my wife or anything like that. But things fell apart in the church and I was absolutely devastated. And I've told you before, I told you at dinner the other night, and I'll tell you again this morning that I just deeply value our friendship, our relationship, and the safe place that you were to me then and that you still are now. If I lived here, I would go to church here. I I really would. I would go to church here. You would, you'd be my pastor. You'd be my pastor, Josh. I would still rub my feet all over you. You guys know he has a foot phobia, right? So it's not a fetish, it's way the opposite of that, it is a phobia, and it's a lot of fun to play with, by the way. It is, the children, the children agree, please take your, take your, take. your, all I ask is that you take your shoes off today for 15 seconds, video it, rub them all over your father and send me that video. I would like to embarrass my wife and just have her stand up real quick, this is... Stephanie. We have been married 28 years. We have been together since 1989, so that's 33 years. I met her when I was 14 or 15 years old. The first time I ever kissed her, I was 15. She was 16, so she's still older than me. I don't know if you guys know how the math works there, but she is still older than me, and the first time we ever kissed was in her car because she was dropping me off because I didn't have a driver's license. And she still drives me around everywhere today. It's really a pleasure to be here. Um, I am looking forward to the opportunity of sharing some things with you. How many of you guys are enjoying winter? Are you really? Okay, well, we live in Branson now. We've lived there for seven or so years. And winters in Branson are a little bit different than they are in the Metroplex. So we have about a quarter mile long rock driveway and it has trees, beautiful, it has trees covering the driveway like this all the way down, and little mountains and hills and stuff. It's a beautiful place. But when we get snow and ice, it hangs around for estimated about eight days longer than it does around the rest of the city. It's pretty crazy. So, And I just bought a Bobcat skid steer, because I'm a real man, and... <laughs> So I'm ready to get some stuff done at my house, but you know that water just is leaching through the mountains, and I'm, I'm ready for winter to be over, <laughs> is what I'm saying. I enjoy the cold, but just for a bit, right? I mean, I, I love spring and summer, and I love—you know what I love? I love season changes, yeah. Now, and I think we get to experience that living in this part of the country— uh, I, I know I would adapt, but I'm glad that I live in an area where I get to experience the season changes that God intended with all of creation. It's an absolute fascinating thing, the whole a galaxy and the sun and the stars and the moon and the wave and the, the titles and all those things really mean to me. Because, and I want to talk about that today just a little bit because I believe we can find God in every single thing if we'll pay attention. I mean, fractal theology is a thing now. It used to just be fractal theory, but just burying down into even a leaf and then digging down even further and even further and even further, you'll see this fractal, what appears to be chaos, really, when you back up or you go deep enough, you see patterns and you see a master design. In everything. So today, I want to talk to you about the big rock in the sky out there—the big, uh, not a rock, but the gas thing out in the sky—and it's called the sun, the S U N. It's absolutely—I'm I'm absolutely fascinated by our galaxy, by the way it works and the way things are held into place. I've always, you know, I'm from the '80s and '90s, and I remember the space shuttle missions. I remember I was in fifth grade when the teacher went up in the astronaut and it exploded right in front of our eyes while we were at school. Any of you old enough to remember that? I mean, you know, I've just been fascinated by this whole thing of outer space and just the galaxy and that kind of stuff. But, you know, here's some fun seventh grade facts about the sun, okay? Its sheer size is breathtaking, the mass structure of the sun. a mass is 99.8% of our entire ma- uh, the of the mass in our entire solar system. Listen to the energy that the sun produces. This is impossible numbers to wrap your head around, but it produces in 1 second 386 billion billion watts of energy. A traditional incandescent bulb in your house is 65 watts. If you have a new LED watt, an LED bulb, it produces, it uses nine to 11 watts of energy. So it's producing in one second. Listen to this: what the world's consumption, what the Earth's consumption of energy is in one year, it produces one million times what the Earth can use in one second absolutely astonishing. It's very powerful. And I believe we can actually learn things from understanding that masterful, beautiful creation that God hung out there in the sky that really holds the whole thing together. But he's the one that created it. So how much more powerful is he? I mean, it's just sick if you really start digging down. If you're really a nerd and really like these kind of things and you watch this stuff on TV, I can watch any show on TV and go, wow, there's a sermon there. There's a truth there, even in the messed up stuff. I mean, you can watch all the messed up dating shows and write a great marriage conference. (laughs) The sun holds things together. It carefully oversees a precise Rotational dance of, listen to this, tens of thousands of asteroids. And occasionally, you know, it'll, they'll, they'll be shooting stars and things like that. But it's holding those planes. Three billion comets and eight planets, including our Earth. Our home is held precisely in perfect balance as it orbits the sun. Without this, they call it a G2 supernova star, we call the sun, there would be complete chaos. In our galaxy, there'd be complete chaos in our life, and life as we know it would cease to exist. Now listen to me. I know you don't need to know any of this information. I get that. In fact, you can go your entire life and completely ignore and be oblivious to the facts of the significance of the sun to our everyday life. You could live that life You could live your life and say there's the sun doesn't exist, couldn't you? You could look up and call the sun the moon. You could go out and say the sky is purple. You could say anything that you want and you could believe it in your heart and you could, dead it speak your truth. You could call it the truth according to you. Mm-mm. You see, we're going to go somewhere today. If you'll just hang on with me just for a second. You don't need to know this stuff. You could be oblivious to these facts, deny their significance, but that would not... Change the facts. Whether you want to admit it or not, in order for life to be sustained, we need the S-U-N. But I'm not standing up here today as an 8th grade or 7th grade science teacher. I'm not standing up here today as a biologist or a chemistry major or even a college graduate. I'm kind of a dummy. But I'll tell you what I do have. I'll tell you who I am. I'm a Jesus follower on fire for the Lord, yes. devoted, fully, fully devoted follower of Christ. Yes. I've pastored people, I've helped raise the family with my lovely wife. I believe what the book says. Yes. And that's really all I have. So I'm not up here trying to proclaim scientific truths. I want to bring biblical principles and look at God's creation and see what can we learn okay. from those things. So as a Christian, I feel the same way about another son. Mm-hmm. It's just spelled a little bit differently. Instead of S-U-N, it's S-O-N. We're talking about God's son, Jesus. Let me tell you about him a few things. He is our source of energy. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my what? Light. Light. And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. He holds my life together. Whether you've even accepted him or not, he's still there. This whole thing is set into motion whether you've accepted it or not. He brings life to those who choose him though, doesn't he? But what sets the S-O-N apart from the Solar systems, S-U-N, is the fact that you may not need to know about a G2 supernova star, but it would do you well to learn some things about the S-O-N. On, but sadly, there are people that will choose to go through this life and ignore the facts of who the S-O-N is. But you know what? It doesn't change the facts. They could be oblivious to it. They could ignore it. They could be agnostic about it. They could stare right at it and call it a lie. They could deny it, poke fun of it, whatever they want, but it does not change the facts. They can turn a deaf ear to the gospel message, but that doesn't change the facts. They can get mad at it. They can call it names. They can make fun of it, but it doesn't change the facts. They may not acknowledge the Son That he is the center of God's master plan of redemption. But that doesn't change the facts. The facts are simple. Hebrews 9.27 says we all have an appointment with death. Mm -hmm. And we will die and we will face judgment. So fact number one, you will die. News alert, it's happening right now as you're sitting here. (laughs) You're dying. Fact number two, there's only one way. Y'all know these verses. I mean, Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one's going to really successfully manage Judgment Day without me because I'm the door, I'm the pathway. And whether you choose to admit it or not, it doesn't change those two facts. You will die and you will face judgment. Bubba, are you ready? Okay, and I'm not talking about just fire insurance and just kind of scooting in on Judgment Day. We're talking about, aren't we at a place called overflow? I mean, didn't Jesus design us to live life abundantly? with ever-increasing glory and revelation? Aren't we very fortunate that we're the ones that are getting to live here in the United States of America? Aren't there other places that we could have been born into in this world that would be much harder to get a hold of the truths that we easily have at our fingertips? Thousands and millions of podcasts and preachers and all kinds of dynamic speakers and sharp dressers and beautiful stages. Or you could be out in the middle of some jungle somewhere. You could be out on the mission field that I've been on, that you've been on, that you've paid money to send people to that it's much harder for us to get a hold of the revelation. It's much harder for them to understand the scriptures that says you'll be blessed in all your ways when you can't even get clean water. I mean, if we as Americans don't suck it up and learn how to live with greater enthusiasm about our faith... You need to move on out. I mean, forget the whole political stuff. If you don't believe with me, move out of the town. I'm saying if you don't want to get a hold of this truth of the fact that we were born in the midst of the greatest possibilities to have the greatest impact on the world with the greatest access to tools. But instead, we just build monuments that cost millions and millions and millions of dollars. And we use them a couple of times a week. I mean, come on. We're to be learning from creation. We're going to be learning from looking at the sun. We're going to be learning to look at the rotation and the gravitational pulls and all the magnetic forces that are going on. There are lessons in the trees. There are lessons in the soil. I mean, it's incredible. All around us, the facts are simple. You will die and you need a way to make it through judgment day. It's just that simple. And when you accept that, which I would assume most of you here today have, that's just an assumption It's Sunday morning You got up, and you came here. There might be some dudes in here that just kind of barely made it today. I get that. There might be some people in here that are really hurting, you know, that that need to make some kind of decision. I got your back, man. I'll be honest with you. You're really the one or two people that I'm talking to today. The rest of you are going to catch what I'm laying down, but I'm looking for that one or two. That little lost one, that bitter one, that angry one, that one that's on the edge of we're about to call this the whole thing quits. I'm looking for the guy that's close to suicide. That's, what I, that's who I'm looking for today. Because I want to talk to you, and the rest of you will get something from it. Yeah. Good. Good now back to the sun, just for a moment. Its sheer magnificence is unbelievable. Because you know what it does? The sun has the power to empower ordinary objects to turn them into extraordinary things. Yeah. Why? Because these objects are somehow put in the proper position or alignment yeah. that they're able to harness the power of the sun's rays. Amen. I'm right, right. in mean, a simple piece of glass walking by and you see it on a piece of, you see a piece of glass on the ground, uh, you look at it as a piece of trash. You don't almost look at it as um, something that could cause you damage. It could hurt you. But if you pick that piece of glass up and you wipe it off and then you turn it and you let it face the sun, it begins to magnify the sun's rays and all of a sudden it has a renewed purpose. It has a renewed power. Were any of you in here as sick and crazy and demented as I was in the kid and got a piece of glass and saw an anthill and said, this ought to be fun? <laughs> When you come in contact with the powerful rays of the sun, think about the moon. It's just hanging out there, man. Does that not, this stuff not blow your mind? I mean, the moon's just hanging out there, dude. I mean, have you guys seen the space movies or the video footage of them working on the shuttle and then a wrench bounces off something and it's just kind of like, once it's set in motion in a certain direction, it keeps going. There's no friction in space. So how in the world does this daggum moon just hang there? How are we just floating here? It's amazing, Josh. I mean, it kind of scares me just a little bit. But I have to kind of trust. So you got the moon. The moon's beautiful, right? But the moon is nothing without the sun. It's powerless to produce its own light. It simply reflects the light of the S-U-N. It's unbelievable to look at our moon. It's great when you have that beautiful big moon at night. But all it's doing is reflecting In fact, all things on earth reflect the light radiating from the sun. Even a rainbow. All it is at its simplest form is reflected light through tiny droplets of water. Really, the tinier, the better. The tinier, the more significant. Let's talk about us for a second. We, too, are divinely created way more than a droplet of water way more than the sun. The sun and the trees and the grass and the water were built for you. It was all set into motion for you to exist in the midst of his glorious proof and evidence of who he is. Amen? So we are divinely created. We are master planned. We are full of possibilities just waiting to be put to use. But also in our natural state, we're kind of dark, aren't we? You know what this church has a lot of, Josh Brown? Kids. You guys got lots of kids in here. And (laughs) do you remember the first time that you realize that your precious little gift, little beautiful bundle, angel from the Lord, just sheer perfection was a sinner? Yeah. I mean, do you remember the first time that your little baby bundle of joy lied to you to your face? Do you remember they were just goo goo guy guy, just wonderful, oh my God is all praying in tongues together, this is amazing, and then that sucker looks at you and says, No! No! <laughs> <laughs> ah! You're like, you are two, dude. And you are a violent sinner. You are a wretched, dark hearted soul. Did y'all ever have that revelation, or are some of you still in mommy daddy denial? Your kids are wretched, not yours, everyone else listening, but the kids at Overflow Church are divinely inspired and perfect. But those of you watching and streaming online, your kids are in trouble. We need a revival. Growing up, I got into a lot of trouble. If you were here today, does that surprise you any? In fact, my mom told me on multiple occasions, I've used this analogy, this true story many, many times. My mom infervently prayed that uh, I would get caught every time I did something wrong. And she told me that as a teenager. She did. She said, I pray every time you get caught that you will not be able to get away with it, Jeff. And you have to know, Miss Penny, and the voice, and the tone, and the air of godliness that she still has. A wonderful, amazing woman of God. And she had a very special connection with God because it worked. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. You know, honestly, I think there's just a side note here. It takes a lot of courage for a parent to pray a prayer like that over their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Not just courage, but faith. Because yeah. the truth is, in reality, what we are seeing today is a lot of parents are always trying to get their kids out of trouble. Right. Trying to cover their trouble. Yeah, yeah. You see, parents, I think we need a little more of this today. I think parents today, we need to be teaching our kids a little more about personal responsibility, accountability, and dadgummit consequence. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's been a teacher for since the n- mid-90s, and she's seen a lot of things happen in our school system. Some of you in here are teachers. There are a lot of stories in the news about teachers. There's lots of stories around the world and in our country, especially, about kids that are out of control. You know what we need? Some stinking discipline. Some uh, stinking consequence. We need just accountability. We don't need parents coming in and suing this and that and going after this and chasing that and blah, 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 and defending, you know. There's this, I'm going to move on from that. (laughs) Anyways, mom prayed and I got caught. And I believe that she did significantly at 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 our marriage ceremony, like if there was a card or like a medallion, then my mom handed it to that woman. Because I believe she's been praying the same thing for me, too. And it still works. Every time I get caught or I get messed up uh, in something as a, as a young person, still living, still living in my parents' home, I'd get in trouble, right? I'd be f- uh, punished in some way. But you know what I dreaded the most? Was the talk. Like go, I mean, I got spanked um, from that generation. So, Or I get grounded. Or, or both. And I mean, when I was grounded, I was grounded for three months. I mean, not on like a weekend. You know, you're grounded. You can't use your iPad. You can only use two of your seven devices. Uh, You can only have internet to the world for like two hours a day. You're grounded. No, man, I was grounded. I was grounded. I had to sneak out of the house and walk up to the 7-Eleven with a quarter in my pocket And go to a pay phone and call 792 9812 and get your room. That's how grounded I was. Y'all aren't excited about me being grounded, I guess. But the talk, and the talk usually ended with my dad sitting me down and saying, Son, no matter what, I'll always love you, but I ask that you don't forget who you are. He'd look at me and say, You're my son. You carry my name. Your words and your actions matter, Jeff. And then you'd say, I've heard it so many times from my father. You are a reflection of me and your mother. Yeah. And boy was my dad right. And guess what? Every single one of you here today are a reflection of something in your past that's shaped you, that's molded you, of your experiences. You are a reflection of something. The same is true in our relationship with Christ. We reflect His glory when we position ourselves to reflect the light from God's S-O-N. And then we are put in the position to become to go from ordinary to extraordinary. I want to dig into just one verse real quick. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Listen to me. I mean, I'd love to have a whole thing up here and act this whole thing out because I'm a very visual kind of guy. But it says this, and we... <laughs> This is so good. Oh, man. With unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. It's in the book. And we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So with an unveiled face, you can go into some incredible Jewish Hebraic history here, which I don't have time to do on the bridal and the groom and the entire wedding process that's involved here. But the veil and what it means and deep significance is way deeper than what you see in Bride Magazine in America in 2023. When this veil is lifted, that means that your face has been purified. It means that you're able to see things with greater clarity. I mean, you may be broken, but what's interesting, also whole at the same time, you're able to see with greater clarity. You have now become the light in the Lord. And just like that little piece of glass reflects the qualities of the uh, of the sun, you are able to be transformed into his likeness and reflect his glory. This S-O-N shines through us and we in turn become very simply vessels of reflection. That's good. That's good. And now, you know, that vessel of reflection becomes almost very, very similar, if not a duplicate uh, of the, of the object that was producing the light of the original source. And that my friends is incredible. This is what Jesus meant when he said, it begins to make a little more sense. Then we understand this very basic scripture what Jesus said in Matthew, he said, you are the light of the world, right? Yeah. He said, uh, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. It's not us that's shining. It's the fact that we're the moon and we're catching the reflection of the Lord. Amen? Now, I want to give you something today. I don't know how they're going to get to you, but and I see guys moving. (laughs) So they're going to hand you out something today. It's very simple. You can take this home and keep it. You can write something on the back of it if you'd like. And each of you is going to receive a little two-inch round mirror. Take with. Don't break it. Don't be just over there tapping on it. Don't don't try to get cut or anything like that. Now this this mirror that you're about to receive, it, I believe it represents us. It represents our being, our our soul, okay, if you will. And we have the power to thank you. We have the power to turn this mirror uh, any direction that 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 we want, right? I mean, we can. We can let it focus on anything. We can let it reflect anything. We have the power to turn the mirror wherever we would like to turn it. We decide what that reflection is going to project to the world. So I want you to just think about this mirror and think for a second of all the things that, that, that we do in our life. Like if you imagine this, this mirror is like on your forehead or it's, it's right here and, and you're walking around with this mirror, okay? There are many times that we can fix our gaze. We can focus our being, our structural being at the wrong things. Would you agree with that? Is anybody in here guilty of just getting all wrapped up and riled up in the wrong things? That's because we take our mirror and we try to maybe uh, focus it on uh, fame or likes or popularity oh, or so on and so forth, right? So we focus on maybe other people or other levels of success and we can look at those things, right? And, and, and we point our mirror towards that person, that place, that thing, and in turn, we'll never find fulfillment, If you're just focusing on the the things, if I want to be there, I want to be there, I want to go there, I want that to be my reflection, and I want to focus on those things, and then you get there, so what if you hit a million followers? Then what? You all of a sudden instantly feel like, oh my gosh, I feel so great now. No. You can achieve all these things, you can climb all these mountains and do all this stuff, but it's never really enough. It's really not. Many times we can direct our attention towards things. And then the reflection that's coming back is one of envy. So then you look at a person's reflection who's just focused on things, and all you really see is a big decaying mound of products. Or it's easy for us to focus on our problems, right? Oh, here's a good one. We can go around with that dude, and we can just focus in on those problems. Some of you are really, really masters at that. You're able to just really, really give that problem a whole lot of your uh, attention. We can fixate on those things. And what we're doing is we're only just getting more and more and more and more of that because the reflection is just radiating off of our problems. And many times we even accidentally start to magnify them. Ooh, that's where you start getting dangerous. Or we can also flip the mirror around and get consumed by self. How we look and all those things that go along with it. We can just get consumed. We can walk around our entire life like this. I mean, just focusing on me, just become self-centered and selfish, a very dangerous dangerous place for me to be. But like my dad said, my dad very remember who you are, remember who you represent. You are a reflection of every now follow me. You are a reflection, you're a believer here today, you are a reflection of everyone else's perception of who God the Father is. Amen. You are a reflection of everyone else's perspective of who God's Son, Jesus, is. You are a reflection and a representation to everyone to see who God the Holy Spirit is. You are the mirror. You are producing the reflection. Where else are they going to see it? They're going to see it in you. They're going to see it in your face and hear it in your words. They're going to see it in your being. When they look at you, all they see is a big pile of decaying crap. When they look at you, all they see is your problems. When they look at you, all they see is you. When they look at you, all they see is worry. No, when they look at you, they ought to see an expression of God's love, his forgiveness, his comfort, and his Holy Ghost power. They ought to see a reflection of what God looks like. In some kind of redeemed version of humanity here on the earth, we ought to be the reflecting light of the glory of Almighty God. Amen? We have that power. I'd say we have that responsibility. I'd even go further and say we have that commandment. But there's a problem, folks. It's not easy because you got to do this stuff every day. The stuff I'm talking about doesn't just happen one time at an altar, just one time during a song. It's right. something you got to deal with every single day. You've got to deal with it when you're giving with your kids, with your boss, with that commute to work. Uh, coming, you're dealing with your marriage. You've got to constantly say, okay, what am I going to reflect here? What am I about to focus on? What, what rabbit trail am I going down right now? How am I messing this up? What, how is my reflection getting all blurry? Some of you have got those clown house reflection mirrors in your life. It's all distorted. Yeah. I mean, you think you're, you know, you, you, you're fat, you're skinny, you're, you're ugly, you're tall, you're stretched out, you don't like your nose, you don't like this, that, or every, you find something wrong with everything, because you're walking around life with a carnival mirror. On, no wonder, if you guys ever talked to anybody and wondered, what in the world planet are they on? Yeah. They have created an entire alternate universe in their little brain. Yes. You ever talked to somebody, that's got built a whole story up in their mind, you're like, what? And you get back in the car with your spouse and go, what were they thinking? <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. Because we don't have the unveiled faces with the clear mirror, with the mud wiped off. But you know why we don't? It's promise you it's not his fault. We can't be blaming God for everything. It's us. We gotta, we gotta turn our attention, our, our focus on the right things. We have that power, that responsibility, that calling. It's a commandment. The problem is it's not easy. It's a daily thing. It's a moment by moment thing. You've got to be diligent about it. When you choose to fix your gaze on the one true source of light, you will find fulfillment and you will find purpose. All you have to turn, all you have to do is turn towards him. Tilt your gaze towards the Lord. Lift your head from the depressing dumps of this world. Elevate your eyes from the engulfing cares of our culture and our political system. In those dark moments when you feel like you just can't go on, man, Try Jesus. Like, just give it a shot. I'm talking to some dudes now. It's not something that you necessarily have to do with your wife present. You need to go out in the woods and get alone. You need to go sit on a rock somewhere. You need to go for a drive by yourself. Amen? And get a hold of some of this Jesus stuff and give it an opportunity to begin to permeate your being. Let your eyes begin to get focused and get a little clarity going on in your mind. Turn your eyes towards him. Point that mirror towards the sun. Isaiah 55, 7 says, let the wicked forsake his ways. Any wicked folks in here? That's me. That's me right now. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and that's a daily thing too, by the way. Yeah. Let the evil man his thoughts, and what does he instruct them to do? Let them turn to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Turn, turn. It could have said think. Yeah, come on, come on. Let them think of the Lord. It could have, it could, and it, it could have said any of those things it said multiple times. Turn. Multiple times I'd have him put in here where God is lifting our head, God is turning towards us. It's an incredible thing, okay? I mean, what's that song where you're standing over the balcony and she's singing? What's that? God, over and over and over and over. Again. That one, Missy yeah. yeah, Missy Edwards. She's incredible. She's you know peeking over the balcony of heaven, and, and and Jesus is glancing down at his bride. Listen, God's looking at you. His face is turned towards you. I love that Pastor Josh said that that we serve a God of hope. And the way I heard it this morning in that brief moment was that, that, that hope is activated by hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Hope gives an opportunity, has an opportunity to shine in the midst of brokenness. Sometimes you gotta get to the point in your life where you just say, enough is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Enough of this addiction. Yeah. Enough of this anger. Enough of this resentment. Enough of this depression. Enough of this just not being enough. Yeah. Enough is enough of that stuff, Amen. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to move on. And the scripture that I've, I've always been, this, that's been a theme of my life, because I'm such a hardhead, is it says, uh, those of us, those of you who are willing to fall upon the rock. Who's the rock? Fall upon the rock and you will be broken. But it says, he who the rock must fall upon will be crushed. So the issue is, you will be broken or you will be crushed in this life. I choose broken because God is a master at taking broken pieces and turning them into brand new, even more expensive and valuable vessels. You guys seen that ancient Japanese art where they take the broken pieces and they mend them all together with gold? Oh, it's incredible. When you turn your eyes to the Lord, you'll find grace and mercy. Again, all you got to do is make a choice. What will you fixate on? What direction will you turn this little mirror? I can tell you this here's a statement for you to chew on today. Wherever you direct the focus of your life will become evident in the reflection of your life. Wherever you direct the focus of your life will become the reflection. Of your life. Listen, I'm a hobby dude. I can get fixated on something. Any other guys in here like that? Okay, so I bought a motorcycle to drive across the country. It's a KTM 890 adventure or just whatever. (laughs) And I get fixated on it. I'm going to order every part that's possibly made for that entire bike and take off the heavy stuff and strap on the lighter stuff. All right, get focused on things. It's very easy for us to be consumed. And then what does everybody see? Everybody sees those things. So it is a delicate balance. I'm not here to tell you you never have hobbies. In fact, I think you should have hobbies. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have fun. You should have fun. You live in America, for crying out loud. You could be living somewhere in some tribe somewhere, okay? It could be a much different situation. The deal is, for us as Americans, it's harder for us to not get distracted. When I was out on the road for 21 days on the motorcycle, all I had was a tent and my bike and what I could take with me. It was very easy to stay focused. It was incredible. It was a life-altering experience because of the simplicity of it. I was in places in Colorado and little, you know, Bureau of Land Management places where you don't even have to pay. You set your tent up. There's no Internet access. There's barely even phone service. And most times, no phone service. And I was closer to God and closer to myself in those moments than I was when I'm back here in the States. Back here, I mean, in reality. (laughs) same thing with the mission field i mean it's incredible because you get unplugged wherever you direct the focus of your life will become evident in the reflection of your life and i believe that many of you here today are beginning to embrace these principles you have been for some time or you're here or you're brand new or whatever but you're here today that's the point And you're beginning to readjust some of those priorities in your life. And I want you to know the Lord sees you. I want you to know that the Lord's face is turned towards you right now. There may be a guy or a gal in here today. You need to know that God's got you scoped in right now. Now, I would never say that God is like my dog. But I can use this example. It's kind of weird. I had this beautiful I have two beautiful dogs. They are a, a uh, Maltese. It's a little white dog. And then we got the big, great Pyrenees, the big white dog. And what I love about my dogs is they're always staring at me. <laughs> Just like this. <laughs> and they're waiting for my attention. Yeah, come on. God's not a dog. Right. Mm-hmm. But God's got a bone. And you're his favorite. Mm. You're his treat. You're his delight. You know why my dog stares at me while we're in the bathroom? Because we have a jar up on the vanity there that says treats on it. The little teeny tiny bone that he'll stare at you the whole time. (laughs) If I just make eye contact with him. (laughs) I want that treat. (laughs) What's incredible, it's a weird analogy, but... God is staring at you, waiting on you to give him your worship, That's good. That's good. to give him your attention. Give him he's your attention. eagerly there. He's, he's waiting, eagerly there. He's, he's not up somewhere. We I hope hope we don't we have hope we don't have this. I not we don't have this. You better do all right. You better do all right. Send that lightning bolt down. Lightning oh, he's, bolt down. he's eagerly oh, he's down. waiting. Oh, he's eagerly Come, waiting. My bride. Yes. Come, my bride. Come here. Come here. As your beautiful pastor said. he yes. is beautiful to her he says, my beloved, all the time, beloved, all the time, and I see now that it works in this I see now that it works in this room, because <laughs> he means it, my beloved, turn your attention to fix your gaze upon me, watch and see what I can do, watch what I can do in your marriage, I can illuminate that thing, watch what I can do with your wayward teenager, your young adult who's off somewhere trying to find themselves, watch how I can illuminate that situation, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do with your weight. Watch what I can do with your brain and your mental disorders. Watch what I can do if you'll let my light shine in those dark, secret crevices of your life. Watch how I can blow up your You're beginning to get it, and he's looking at you. He's paying attention right now, and I got I to start winding this down. Turn to him. Give him your full attention. Let him be the source of your strength. That requires surrender. It requires surrender. Let him be your source of strength so he can hold your galaxy together. You have your own orbit, you have your own galaxy, you have your own issues. What I've learned after 30 years of doing this and almost 30 years of marriage, haven't we said it a million times, babe? Everybody's got a story. Everybody in here has been impacted by suicide, everybody in here has been impacted by disease and cancer, everybody in here has experienced heartache and pain. Every marriage will hit a wall. Every time you're going to come, there will come many times in your life when you think, I just can't make it through this. Yes. I mean, this, this, is, this is different than the last one, man. I mean, this one's harder. I mean, this one is just, there's just no way I can make it through this one. Reflecting Jesus is simply learning how to live a life of favor. And listen, man, it's nothing new. It's not something any new preachers have come up with. Right. It's not even new to this century. It's not even new to this millennia. I mean, this is, this is a tested principle. I'll take you back to one that you gotta know. You've either heard songs written after this verse or you've heard it proclaimed at church services or whatever, but I pray that you'll hear it with a little bit different eyes today. Moses stands up before the people of Israel instructed by God. Why don't you just close your eyes and let me just say these words to you. Just just receive it. We're not done, but just Listen. The declaration still applies to the to those who choose to accept it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face. What does it say? Say it again. May the Lord what shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Now look at me. I can tell you, my friend, that's how God designed this whole thing. He designed this whole thing as a display of his love and his majesty for you. He hung that sun perfectly for you. Because everything that's going to overflow in this life, if you want it to overflow in your life, it needs two things. It needs illumination and hydration. It needs water and it needs sun. And then we're going to produce the oxygen, carbon dioxide, all the things that we need. We're going to see those things happen in our life. I can tell you this, my friend. That's how God wants you to live your life. With the Lord's blessings surrounding you, with His arms keeping you from harm, with His face shining down on you today. And I want you to hear me as I close. His face is, in this very moment, turned towards you. He is paying attention to you. He's not disgusted by you. He's not just like off the rails, angry with you. All he's doing is staring at you like just a beautiful sign of love, just waiting, just please, Jeff, give me your attention. If you'll just look over here at me, I've been staring at you for days. Just look at me, Jeff. I don't know about you, I get stubborn sometimes. But those times when I'm alone... And I'll just stop for a moment, realize he's been there the whole time. He's just waiting on me. His face is shining upon you, and now you must decide, will you turn to him? I'm gonna end with an old hymn that we used to sing just about every Sunday of my life in my little Baptist church growing up. And I thank God for that heritage. I thank God for that history. I thank God at Christ for the Nations in the two thousands. I got filled with the Spirit. I thank God that God's given me exposure to so many things, but this hymn—you can't challenge the the biblical accuracy of this one. I'll read it to you. O oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness. You see, there's a light for a look at the Savior and the life is more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful grace and may the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, we love you so much. God, I'm sorry for losing focus in my life. I'm sorry for losing focus this week. I'm sorry for being distracted by worry. I'm sorry for letting little things get to me. Lord, teach us, teach me how to rise above the minutiae and all the things of this world and to keep our gaze and our focus squarely focused upon you. Lord, teach us how to walk that overflowing life that you so desperately are eagerly waiting for us to give. You're waiting for us to receive those things. I pray the people of Overflow Church will receive this spoken word blessing today. May he bless you and may he keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name.